Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. The international break is in full swing and England were back amongst the goals against North Macedonia. Rachel tells us about her time out there and we react to Steph Horton's decision to step down as England captain after eight long years. Edda Hegerberg was also back amongst the goals on her return for Norway, while Northern Ireland's World Cup hopes took a bit of a blow against Austria. Plus, we celebrate 20 years of Bend It Like Beckham. We've got everything you need to know ahead of the FA Cup semi-finals this weekend. Trying to get the low ball in towards White, missed by White, but not by Mead. That has not taken England long. And Beth Mead, her ninth goal of qualification. Well, England's cruise on. Four goals for Beth Mead in this game. A hat-trick for Ella Toon. Two for Stanway. Another double-digit victory. Another dominant display. Another clean sheet. Positives all round for the Lionesses. Welcome back from Skopje. How do you pronounce it? Skopje. Skopje. Yeah, welcome back. Or, or you, you're back and then you've gone again um, yeah. because you're in you're in Belfast. Your world women's football world tour continues. Um, I guess let's start in Skopje. Um, oh Are you going to in... stutter every time you say it? <laughs> you're in, you're in Belfast right now uh, ahead of England's Tuesday night World Cup qualifier at Winter Park. A sold out Winter Park. About eighteen thousand, hopefully in there tonight. It's going to be mega. But you're in North Macedonia for that. 
North Macedonia nil, England 10 game. Um, I watched this one. I was covering it remotely for TalkSport. And I was, I felt like even though it was 10 nil, actually should have been probably about 20 nil. England were very wasteful in the first half. But they're a bit more ruthless in the second half, I have to say. But in that first half, oh my God, Ellen White could have had a hat trick. The amount of chances that they were missing. Um, yeah. yeah. Give us your state of play from uh, from the stadium. Uh, it was quite a nice stadium. I mean, it wasn't kind of old old fashioned stadium, but nice with a, a lovely mountainous region behind it. So um, that was really lovely. Um, and there were some noisy fans in there. There weren't a lot of them, but I think there were more England fans. I think there were some guys out for NATO or something. So they came. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Were they noise. like armed armed forces or something? I think it was NATO people. Right. Um, so they made lots of noise. That was kind of cool. Although I did feel a little bit sorry for North Macedonia, both on and off the pitch, because I feel like they were beaten on, on both aspects. Um, but yeah, totally agree. While it was a 10-0 defeat, I also don't think England were, were particularly, definitely didn't play their best. Um, when you look at the possession, it was like 82% possession, 39 shots and 17 on target. That's not even 50% of their chances on target. So yeah wasteful enough and I think actually Alan White could have not only uh met that that um goal scoring target but actually could have exceeded it had she had she been on target she was um yeah struggled a little bit I think particularly in the first half um but you know did the job you know it's the kind of game where like there's just so many players in the box as a photographer it's an absolute nightmare you would think I've got 10 goals to shoot here but actually you've got like 20 people in front of you between you and the ball um, so I can understand the difficulty of, of trying to put those chances away. England essentially playing with like five up front for, for most <laughs> of the game. Uh, Chloe is uh, as, as the pro in our in our mitts. Um, what's it like to play in those games where I know we've talked about you being on the receiving ends of those score lines. We won't. Talk We're about really going to go there again. <laughs> but what's Every it like time. to play in a game where you know it the, the gap in in the quality of the two teams is so huge that you do feel like you're just kind of like walking your way through the match um i think you can tell from the uh, north macedonian keeper's face um, she put off some good saves as well in that first did. half actually yeah she was um almost a pivotal player in them not reaching the source of 15 20 goal mark mm, um but i thought you know I, I think when you're picking the ball out the back of your net you know nine ten times like the despair sets in i think pretty much after you know four or five goals you can see where the game is going you can see everyone's heads go down and there's not much you can do to really rally from the back so it just becomes more and more difficult and I think that's what North Macedonia saw is that that kind of steady decline then you start to let a few goals in it turns into a waterfall and then before you know it you're absolutely drowning in you know the goals and I think it was just really difficult I think you know you know just picking up on what Rachel was saying there I think there were so many bodies in the box at all times it felt like the the strikers were just queuing up to get their chances in and you know if White wasn't on the front end of the post you'd have Mead at the back post you'd have Toon running in and it just felt like it was a constant barrage of, of attack when, when the attacks did happen. So I really felt for them. Yeah, it's not nice. It's not a nice position to be in as a goalkeeper. I mean, we won't dwell too much on North Macedonia because we get, you know, we don't want to get into another chat about big score lines. It is, it is the situation of women's football at the moment. FIFA and UEFA have said they're going to try and do something about it. It's obviously not going to come soon enough because we're already right in the middle of the qualification cycle for the next World Cup. But hopefully that's going to change soon with that needs to be more investment because we had, what was it, um, Sweden winning 12-0, Netherlands winning 15-0, Vivian Miedemar scoring six goals, Zajira Musevic, Chelsea goalkeeper tweeted, 
goalkeeper, a Swedish goalkeeper, saying like that wasn't even enjoyable for me. That was just a bit weird. So we don't want to get too bogged down in those, and we hope it's going to change. But from an England point of view, I suppose the big things you mentioned, Ellen White, Rachel getting to that 50 goal mark and creeping closer to Wayne Rooney's record. Um, she's overtaken Harry Kane and Sir Bobby Charlton. Beth Mead is just absolutely on fire. Um, really, really good form. She obviously started the WSL season really well, carried that into her England form. She hasn't been amongst the goals as much recently for Arsenal, um, but she's been able to carry on this form for England. And it's going to be so important, her form, heading into the Euros. Yeah, for sure. She's absolutely been England's best player this qualifying tournament. Um, she's also so much more than her goals. Like She provides so many opportunities for others. Um, and it may not be a direct assist, but because she's always in and around that area, she's either assisting an assist or assisting a goal or scoring a goal. She's always involved um, somehow. And she spoke after the match, you know, because we keep talking about the fact that she didn't get selected for the Olympics, which I'm sure she's sick of talking about. But at the same time, when that, someone asked her if she was over it yet, and she said she was kind of somewhere in between, she was still, it didn't, you know, upset her anymore, but it was there enough that when she needed some fuel, she could draw on that kind of emotion and that feeling of not making the squad to, to fuel her. Um, so without doubt, she's undroppable. Uh, I'm excited. I think she's going to be a big player for England in the Euros. What's she like to play against? Uh, not great, actually. <laughs> actually really terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, actually not great. Um, I mean, she's an absolute powerhouse and a force. And I think, you know, seeing her progress now into, you know, having such a wonderful season with Arsenal and also at international level. I mean, she's just gone from strength to strength. And I think, you know, she's going to be unstoppable. When she gets to the Euros, she's definitely going to be one of the players that everyone's going to be watching. And I think also on the back of that, I thought Ella Toon had a fantastic game. I mean, not only was she putting the goals in herself, she was also, you know, some creative, ridiculously great assists there. Not only just with the, you know the, the cheeky balls through but also you know the set pieces as well so I think you know for such a young talent also as one to watch I think it's going to be an exciting Euros coming it's up. It's going to be exciting Euros and Chloe Kelly might be coming back to full fitness. Oh, anyway um, I also want to talk about Steph Horton because just after we recorded last week which is just absolutely classic it was announced that Leah Williamson is was going to be England's captain for the Euros. We finally had confirmation of who was going to be captain there was going to be no more of this sort of is Steph going to come back to the armband would it be Millie Bright would it be Lucy Bronze? It was confirmed, which I think is really important for the team to kind of have that stability there. But obviously what that meant was Steph Horton was no longer going to be captain of England and she'd been captain for eight years, which is incredible, really. Three major tournaments in that time. Uh, has obviously been massive for England and for the women's game as a whole, uh, for the WSL. She's been the poster woman, really, for English women's football for a very long time. So it was a real kind of changing of the guards, um, you know, passing on of the baton situation. And I thought both Steph and Leah's quotes on it were really, really strong, actually. I think Steph was very gracious uh, and understandably quite sad, but I don't mean that in like a, you know, upset way, more just a sort of like, you know, looking, reflection almost, reflecting on the time that's passed. And, you know, I suppose the reality of my body's not doing the same things it used to do. And I, I have to almost accept that, you know, this is a situation, but I'm so excited about the next generation coming up. Yeah, I think big shout out to Steph Horton. I think she has been a great leader and captain. Um, I thought she really grew into the role. Like she got it when she was maybe a year older than Leah is now. 
Um, and I think the responsibility impacted her whole game and she really matured as a player. Um, and I think she's someone Leah can learn massively from, which Leah has touched on. Um, and I, I also think like the lovely words various players have had for her over the last couple of days kind of shows the impact she had as captain. Um, and as you said, her response to Leah being named was really classy too. Um, I do remember her at the 2012 Olympics um, and the impact she had there, I think scoring a goal in every group game. Uh, and then to have gone on and captained your team to kind of three major se- major tournament semi-finals is pretty amazing. So I look forward to seeing her back in an England shirt, but um, I'm also equally excited about Leah Williamson being named captain. I think she's just such a well-respected player. I think, you know, when you look at the, the length of her captaincy throughout those eight years, I mean, the transition of women's football in that time has been absolutely huge. I mean, you know, eight years ago, we weren't really seeing the England women's team even on TV that much. And now she's had to take them for a transition period into more investment, players being turned over all the time. Now you're on TV. Now there's the additional pressure of, you know, being role models and sponsorship deals and all the other stuff that comes with, you know, being a professional athlete and, you know, the the, the lead of the, uh, of the national team. So I think she's been incredible and you know you look over her her history and it's just you know she's she's got an MBE she's got a hundred caps I mean I don't even know where she's storing the caps that she has I mean she must have a garage full of caps right now um and I think yeah she was so gracious in in the kind of handing over the 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 captaincy to Leah Williamson I think that was the right choice I mean you know Leah already has fantastic captaincy experience with Arsenal she's a very level-headed defender um you know very composed and and bowl accounts on on and off the field she has a lot of respect for from the players so I think it was uh was the natural choice and it's been a difficult year to few years for Steph Orton sort of ever since that penalty miss at the World Cup in the semi-final almost feels like you know she struggled with injury she's been in and out of City's team because of that she's been in and out of England's team because of that that defence under Phil Neville was under a lot of pressure because of the sorts of goals that they were conceding on a regular basis and I do feel like this does signify the the new era under Serena Vigman and the transition of England now where, you know, I suppose maybe under, under the peak of Phil Neville, it felt like sometimes players were going to be in the starting lineup because of their experience and maybe because of the past more than the performances they were putting in right now. And I think the ruthlessness of Serena Vigman means that I think there aren't any, any guaranteed spots anymore. I think that is really important for England. And I feel like that's probably the transition in we're in now. I'm going to be intrigued to see what part Steph Orton will still play in the Euros this summer, because I think it would be in- and really important to have her as you know a leader within the squad whether that's you know as a obviously non-playing role because it seems unlikely she she would be fit enough and I think she's kind of conceded that herself but you know whether she can be an, an ambassador and, and bring some of that tournament experience with her because it is difficult to throw quite a young squad now together and say right go and win a major tournament when some of them have never played in a tournament before. Yeah, and that's something we've touched on a lot in these semi-finals over the last few years. It's the thing that was lacking was experience. Um, so to then expect these young players to have that experience um, is, you know, is probably not going to happen maybe the way we wanted to. So I think having the likes of Steph Houghton around the team in some fashion will be really important. Um, but you also have some of that experience within the squad still too. So I think maybe the combination, because the big thing about England right now for me is the youth. That's really exciting for me. Those We spoke to a number of players who've come through the ranks together. I think there's about six players um, who have come through right through the age groups together and, and kind of are the future of that England team. Um, but still having the likes of Ellen White, um, Jill Scott, you know, Lucy Bronze in and around that squad at the moment, their experience is massive. 
Um, but yeah, I think what Steph has the under her belt will be huge to include in that England squad in some way. And I, I knew that Leah Williamson was destined for the England captaincy yeah. because she's just shirt tucked into shorts, girl. You like if you <laughs> that's what called if you view. tuck your shirt into your shorts, then you're just that's just elite. No girl. gloves or long sti- sleeves, just like no, Steph. It's, it's like hard as nails. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean that that is the um, the prerequisite of captaincy 100%. now. Um, I don't know where that is in the FA guidelines, but we will will definitely have. <laughs> it's a in look. there. It's in the book. If it's yeah, not, yeah. it should be. Um, but no, I agree. I think, you know, even if Steph's not in the squad, which I, I agree, it's probably unlikely. I think, you know, she's going to be a big part of those dressing team talks. I think, you know, she's so experienced in trying to rally the troops. And I think, um, you know, a lot of the players have so much respect for her. I think going into those games, especially the more difficult games, I think she's going to be key in sort of boosting motivation, confidence and, and really rallying and, and assisting some of the younger players who might not have that big tournament experience. Let's touch on some of the other international headlines, I guess, or, or, or news this week. Austria beating Northern Ireland 3-1. Kenny Shields has almost conceded that Northern Ireland's hopes of qualifying for the World Cup are probably over. Um, it, it, it ain't over. Uh, we know that Northern Ireland can frustrate England. They did in that first half at Wembley. So Tuesday night, you know, they could secure a point and and things could, you know, help them elsewhere when it comes to, to Austria. But it's tough for them. But I think right now it's almost like they should focus on the Euros and if World Cup is going to be tough to qualify for, then they should try and maximise this opportunity they have with with the Euros coming up. Yeah, I agree. And it says something that they're disappointed that they're not going to make the World Cup. Like, it, mm. it says in itself how far this game has come. The growth of the women's game in Northern Ireland has just been incredible. Um, there's been huge work going on behind the scenes. So to see them reach their first major tournament, the Euros, was fantastic. Um, and you know now they've got these big attendances it's just it's another step isn't it and just because you qualify once doesn't mean you're you're going to qualify for major tournaments every time because at the end of the day it's always bloody hard in those qualifying groups um to get through unless you're kind of in that top 10 ranking um but I, yeah I think taking heart from the fact that they're they're pushing it right to the end in the qualifiers but as you say yeah focus should be on the euros because that's still such an exciting time for them and like we mentioned, Windsor Park hosting Tuesday night's game. And then in Scotland, Hamden Park hosting a, a qualifier between Scotland and Spain. I think Scotland are you know, going to really struggle to qualify for the World Cup, really. It's not been great since uh, Shelley Kerr left the, the the coaching side of things. That I think they're a really talented group, but they haven't made the most of a bit of a golden generation. I don't know if that's maybe too big, but I feel like they, they've definitely underachieved with this group having since qualification for the World Cup. Missing yeah. out on the Euros is, is really disappointing. Yeah, I think since Kim Little left as well, they've kind of struggled to, to fill that gap. Um, they are currently second with a few games in hand, a few games still to play. Um, and then their game against Ukraine was obviously paused until kind of June time. Um, they beat Hungary twice and Hungary are in third place at the moment but Ukraine have a couple of games in hand so I think they're probably the biggest threat to Scotland's qualification so I think it will come down to that match when they do eventually play it between Scotland and Ukraine um, and the last time they played uh, Scotland kind of salvaged a draw um, near the end so that will be a big fixture in June and I think will have a huge impact on whether they make playoffs or not. I mean, it's a massive game. The Scotland v Spain. I mean, it's one that I'm really looking forward to seeing. So I just um... and I think the last game, um, Scotland, they played really well, and then as soon as they conceded a goal, 
is in kind of Arsenal Barcelona fashion, like, like it all unraveled really, yeah. really quickly. But I think they put up a good fight, and I suppose it is a good assessment of like where you're at as a nation when you're playing the the the, the elite and you try and compete for for so long. But I mean, this week, this past week, it was certainly things off the pitch that got a lot of um, got a lot of attention, Chloe, with. A lot of Scotland players sort of tweeting the same thing or along the lines of the same thing around a frustration on a cap that had been placed on ticket sales at Hampden Park for the game against Spain. We know that Scotland can fill, you know, a, a big part of Hampden and they've done it in the past. They did it against Jamaica before the World Cup and in a friendly that was the biggest ever women's game at Hampden. And Rachel Causey, the Scotland captain, and a few other players tweeted their frustration about how tickets for the game against Spain, obviously a huge team, big names in there, Ballon d'Or winners in there. They felt frustrated because tickets had been capped and therefore there weren't going to probably be as many there that had been at the Jamaica game. And 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 uh, and it was a disappointment. And, and Rachel Corsi's since spoken saying, you know, it's actually, a, it's, it's bigger than just the cap because the FSA have said, SFA have said, you know, we put a cap on all Scotland games at Hampden. Rachel Corsi said, you know, it's bigger than the cap. It kind of speaks about the inequality in Scottish football right now and the way that we're being treated. It's pretty amazing that they kind of came together and orchestrated that, if you like, right, on social media to bring attention to this. Massively. I think, you know, for names like, uh, you know, Cuthbert and Weir to come out publicly and kind of, you know, give their criticism of what's happening with the ticket sales, I think is huge because you will find in those clubs that the media teams would have tried to potentially tell them... Shut not it down, to, yeah. to shut it down, yeah. So for them to then out to be so outspoken on this issue is, is incredible. And also it it's encouraging to see the kind of force and power that these athletes now have to actually speak up on, on these issues if they feel that, that that is what they'd like to do. So I think that in itself should be taken as a, as a bit of a win. But, you know, I was looking into the sort of, you know, the allocation of ticket sales and, you know, the SFA have re- released their own response about the situation, said that it was equivalent to how the men's ticket sales and they Happy opened it up response. based on, on sections and things like that. And they were trying to say, OK, well, we've also released 2,000 tickets to local clubs and schools and... Um, actually, this is the biggest allocation that we've ever had for marketing spend on on the Scottish, uh, the women's team. And you know, a part of me thought, okay, well, maybe there's potentially been a miscommunication here. If that that is the situation, if it actually is equivalent. So, but I've not sort of, um, I, I I can't see. Obviously, it's a massive issue if the, if there is some inequality there. But also, the SFA's response was, um, I, I thought sort of fairly, fairly robust. Um, yeah, and I I always want to err on the side of, you know, women obviously speaking up against these issues, but I also thought, okay, well, if this is the situation, it is actually quite equal in terms of the allocation, then maybe fair enough. Well, I suppose it's, it's more than the tickets, isn't it? I think that's what they were trying to focus on, saying the tickets is kind of just the symbol externally of a wider issue, which is we feel like we're not being supported and we're not getting what we need to perform at the highest level. But also I feel a bit like, a missed opportunity from a marketing point of view because you know you look at the Barcelona Real Madrid game a couple of weeks before selling out you think that would be something you would use as a marketing push to say come and see Scotland Spain some of the best players from you know a lot of them play in Barcelona they've just had this you know you could kind of utilize what had just happened and rather than just see it as another World Cup qualifier be a bit more strategic and say here's an opportunity and I think maybe that's what they were kind of touching on here's an opportunity to be a bit more strategic and reactive with your marketing and say actually this could be huge we could kind of bounce off that and and make this a big game but in and I think that's a shame that that didn't happen but like you say Chloe their their statement was pretty robust in terms of the way they approach stuff with the men's side 
Um, and I just, that that was just a bit of an awkward then kind of, maybe you should focus on your football match kind of like. Yeah, you kind know, of almost like, like oh, a God. face-off. And, <laughs> yeah, I, and yeah. I also suppose with what's going on with the other national sides at the moment, with Windsor Park and also Wales, uh, not selling out, but getting, I think, around 4,000 at Khaneni. I've just pronounced nice. it really. Khanekli. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, that that was that was massive. So I feel like when you obviously look around the rest of the home nations and how they're thriving and and you know getting really big, loud crowds through the door, you kind of look and say like, oh, why aren't we getting the same thing? Mm. Um, definitely one we'll revisit. But quickly, want to touch on as well, um, Edda Hegerberg, who returned to Norway with a bang. Um, she scored 21 minutes into her comeback game for Norway uh, and she eventually bagged a, a, a hat-trick as well. Um, it's going to... I mean, it's going to be a tight, tight group, actually, for England. Maybe six months ago, um, nearly well, around six months ago when the, the, the draw was made, people were like, ah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an OK group for England. But actually, we look at how Austria played against Northern Ireland and we look at what... Um, Hegerberg's doing already with Norway and England's group is getting pretty spicy yeah I said this last week it was a bit of a bittersweet where you're like oh my god it's amazing she's back but also shit she's back and and you know they're in our group in the Euros and what's even more terrifying is that it's not just her it's Caroline Graham Hansen it's Marin Mjelda it's Guru Wrighton it's Vildebo Arisa Ingrid Engren, Engen like the list goes on with the squ- with the talent in that squad um so just to add her back into the mix is a slightly terrifying situation. And, you know, they'll want revenge over England. England knocked them out of the 2015 and 2019 World Cup. Like, it's almost like a bit of a grudge match too. So add, add a Hegerberg into the mix and it is definitely going to be spicy. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
Domestic football returns this weekend. Um, very exciting to have it back. It feels kind of lost without it. Although, you know, I, I do enjoy the international break. It just it just feels very empty. Um, we've got the FA Cup semi-finals this weekend. We've got West Ham versus Man City at Dagenham. And then Arsenal versus Chelsea at Bournemouth on the Sunday. I think we all know what's, you know, the, the more dramatic, the more box office of the two ties. But two interesting ties, I think, we hope to see more from West Ham than we did in that recent fixture against City, but they did beat them at the start of the season. West Ham at home, they're very good at home as well. Um, two really exciting FA Cup semi-finals. I suppose off the back, let me hear from you who you guys think is going to be in that final on May 15th, it is, I think. I think it's going to be another Man City-Chelsea final. Um I also, it does massively depend on how the squads come back after the international break. Um, I think that's going to be key. Um, you know, for it's West It's not Ham, a great time to have a cup semi-final, is it? <laughs> no, and I was just thinking this, you know, particularly for the Arsenal-Chelsea match, like I'm looking at who was that break going to help. You know, you look at Chelsea, who'd had this really great momentum and looked unstoppable. So maybe it came at a bad time for them. For Arsenal, they will want distance from their disappointing Champions League exit. So maybe... You know, that's a good time for the international break to come. But given my kind of predictions for Arsenal-Chelsea over the last couple of months have been terrible, um, I, you know, I genuinely, I'm not sure which way this one will go. Um, if Viv Stenius shows up, they didn't really do it in the Champions League, then maybe it'll be a close one again. Um, but yeah, head says Chelsea for this one. I think it's definitely going to be Man City, for sure. I think um, there's too much riding on this game for them. I think given how they started um, at the start of the the league, um, and I think, you know, obviously they've not had the best start to the season, but they've come back and now they're sort of in and around that Champions League spot. And I think for them to be able to say that you've finished on an, an FA Cup uh, final and also potentially getting into the the, the last, um, you know, Champions League spot, I think is going to be absolutely crucial for them because then I think they can reflect back over this season and think, actually, it turned out pretty bloody well, um, despite how it's started so I think Man City are going to come out in absolute full force and I think that'll be I think they're going to win the West Ham game for sure yeah I, I, I agree with you I think the I think West Ham just don't offer enough going forward really and I think um, Man City are, are quite ruthless they have enough in attack to get the job done um, so maybe let's focus on that Arsenal-Chelsea game what we think there's obviously probably going to be a bit more of a battle Arsenal were embarrassed at Wembley in December. I don't Spanked, think there's any other absolutely. way to, to say it, really. It was not good. Um, do you think that could be in the back of their minds? Do you, Or do you think that they... I mean, that game at Kings Meadow, that Friday night nil-nil, was a, was a brilliant Arsenal performance. So it's whether or not they can tap into that also with the added je ne sais quoi of Viv Stenia's combo, um, whether they can tap into that or... Are Chelsea just going to bulldoze them that like, they do occasionally? Yeah, I feel like there are two options. It's going to be a really tight affair or Chelsea will bulldoze it. I just, like, I don't see it going the other way, really. Mm. Um, I don't think, I don't think that 3-0 defeat will be in the back of their minds. I think there's been enough time since then. I think they've gotten out of their slump, which is, they were kind of in the middle of when that happened. Um... So I think mentally they should be over that, especially given the performance they had at Kings Meadow, that nil-nil performance. They know they can do it, so they know they have it in their locker. 
Um, and we t- like, you know, people will be sick of me saying this on this podcast, but Chelsea are the mentality monsters. They know how to come out in big games. Um, and I think that's maybe where they'll edge it. Um, and it's just so, so very much who turns up on the day. We've had multiple different types of performances from this fixture <laughs> that it just makes it almost impossible to call. But given the momentum of Chelsea at the moment, I think they might edge it. And I think that will have a huge impact on the league as well. I think it's going to be quite an, an even battle. I can see a kind of nil-nil and then go into penalties type situation because I think, you know, for Arsenal, having just been knocked out of the um, Champions League, I think, you know, given how the, the title race is going, they might not be winning the title either. And I think they'll want at least some silverware by the end of the season. Um, so I'm thinking, I don't know, I think Arsenal are going to really push this one. I can see it being a big battle like it was previously and it being a nil-nil and, and pens. And, and when it's pens, it, it it's uh, it's up in the air. A box office battle at Boreham Wood. Very exciting stuff nice. this weekend. Speaking of box office. Very Ooh, good segue. Yeah. Um, it's the 20th anniversary of Bend It Like Bloody Beckham. Um, what a film. What, what, what a film. Um, I had the joy of being a part of a little documentary that's on BBC Sport and iPlayer. This week, a few snippets. Um, the wonderful Miriam Walker Khan put it together, uh, and we went to the National Football Museum. We spoke about Ben Light Beckham, and Mim went and chatted to loads of other people about the movie. Gary Lineker, who many people might remember, had a little cameo at the start of the film. Um, it's obviously a, an iconic film. I think it just kind of represents British culture so perfectly. And it's been 20 years, and, and don't get me wrong, some of the film ages terribly. Um, but there are still some things which really do stay true and are relatable even to this day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what a movie. It just reminds me of my childhood so much. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's very it's, nostalgic. Yeah, it's just like a soft, warm, comfortable glow that I feel mm. um, thinking about that film. And, and to be honest, it hadn't been really in the front of my mind, obviously, for all these 20 years. And I think, you know, when I first saw it, I think it was on VHS, which kind of, you know, really shows our age now. Um, you know, it was one of those things that I kind of, you know, I saw girls playing football and it wasn't just girls. It was girls from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. And it was the first time, really, and I think probably the last time that we've seen a film about women's football because I don't think we've even seen anything since then. She's the man. She's the man. She's the man is iconic, actually. Amanda Byrne. Amanda Bynes. Bynes. Rachel, I want to ask you, though, because as as, uh, the non-Brit in the house, (laughs) what was it like for you watching it? Like, how old were you when you watched it? Did it have the same kind of impact when you were growing up in Ireland? Yeah, for sure. I was about 12, 13 um, when it came out and I loved playing football in the schoolyard and in my house and outside in the street um so yeah as soon as I saw a film about girls playing football I was absolutely going to be watching that over and over um so yeah I was a massive fan of it um I don't feel like maybe it had some massive influence on my how I'm working in women's football now because for me it was still a movie and it still felt unattainable it was still like a something you dreamed about um and I don't feel like it necessarily kind of inspired a, a load of girls to go and play football professionally because that wasn't an option at the time. But it's still a movie that people watch nowadays. You know, we asked Alessia Russo about it, who was three when it came out. And uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I, I used to watch that growing up. I love that movie. And for people of her generation, watching that movie would inspire you in a different way because the, the pathways have changed and the opportunities have changed. So... I feel like it, it's kind of, it's timeless in that 
aspect. I think we all probably engaged with it in a slightly different way in terms of inspiration. Um, but yeah, it was amazing to kind of see a girl playing football because you're like, yeah, I, I can do that. You know, I can go out on the street and play football. It's not, you know, a weird thing to do. Um, but it's funny, Sophie was saying how that very opening scene where she's imagining herself in Old Trafford playing with Man United and scoring a goal. She mm. was like, that was what your options were when you were that age. That you didn't have the option of like dreaming about playing for Chelsea women and like mm. scoring a perfectly placed pass from Viv Miedema, you know. Um, you imagined yourself, got, she imagined herself going out in the garden and playing with Chelsea men because that were, that were your only options at the time. So it's, it's actually quite nice to go back and watch it now having had so much kind of evolution in the last 20 years. Totally. I mean, my brother, for his 21st birthday party, so he's like 37 now, so a very long time ago, um, He the theme for it was a costume party and you had to dress up as what you wanted to be when you were older. And I dressed up as uh, a football coach. I wanted to be QPR manager. <laughs> and in my head, that vision was never to be manager of QPR women or even mm. a women's team. It was to be the manager of QPR men. And that was my whole thing. And and Sophie's so right. Like the, the gear shift that a lot of young young women and young girls must have now is that like those things are reality. I think sometimes we get caught up in that and it sounds a bit cliche, but it is actually is actually so true and I think there's so many aspects of the movie even outside of the football sense of things yeah. that kind of sense of belonging that sense of celebrating each other's difference celebrating each other's cultures and that kind of integration and blend and what's so fantastic about British culture the music the food the smells the sounds I mean it's set in Hounslow not far from where my mum lives and uh, you know QPR do feature in the film I think Fulham feature in the film as well like it is a real like West London movie and there is so much of that I think that is really relatable for a lot of people about you know everything about that film that it's almost like you can just smell it you can just taste it when you watch it that nostalgia that feels like visceral and physical about yeah. the movie and the music as well the mu the soundtrack's brilliant I think it's, so that, it's, it's that it takes you back to this era of you know I think we're all starting to maybe develop our love of football and relationship with football and we'd see you know men's football on TV and you know occasionally you might see a female player in like Ms Magazine or like one of those old decrepit magazines yeah I had a subscription for Match Magazine and like women never featured in that fucking magazine it was it's very ridiculous. very rare I remember seeing Rachel Yankee yeah like Rachel an, Yankee was it yeah and that, and that was it and it kind of takes me back to you know playing out on the street with those yellow disgusting sponge balls you oh smash God, you in yes. the face oh, full yeah, of water yeah, yeah. Oh, and God, yeah. you know being kicked off pitches by boys who were telling you you weren't good enough and things and and that's what it kind of takes you back to and then you can kind of see the development from then until now and I think it's also beautiful to see the kind of um, the grassroots element of it as a you know as myself as a, as a coach I kind of see the diversity and all these different women that are now playing football and getting involved in football that weren't you know 20 years ago so there is that shift but I, I agree for me it wasn't one of those inspirational films that I thought, you know what? Oh yes, I'm going to start playing for for Spurs women. It was definitely more one of those films that I thought, do you know what? There are other people out, there are other women out there playing football, but it wasn't necessarily th things that inspired my my career. But it's just a brilliant film. And if you haven't watched it, then what the hell are you doing with your what life? You Go and watch it. <laughs> Go and watch it this weekend. Um, it is such an iconic film, um, and you will be able to spot. The, the things that have not aged well and the things that are still true today. And I mean, bloody Kira Knightley, like. She's early, aged well. Yeah, early Kira Knightley years. She's aged very well. Yeah. Uh, you said that was. <laughs> she has, to be fair. I agree. Um, no, I Yeah, that. I think it is. I think it Above is. Board. It is amazing to, to see that. Um, I feel like we've been on one hell of a journey from 
Skopje and North Macedonia to Hollywood. We've tasted it all. <laughs> to via Belfast. <laughs> yeah, via Belfast. Um, enjoy the rest of Belfast, Rachel. Um, enjoy the game at Windsor Park. We'll be chatting to you about what the atmosphere was like, I'm sure, next week. Where are you this weekend? I'm hoping the FA Cup semi-finals. That's the plan. Yeah, so am I. One of them, both of them. I don't know. Chloe? Uh, yeah, we don't have a game this uh, weekend. Um, we have been given tickets to the semi-finals at Wembley. Whee, so Wembley. Might see you guys there. Yeah. Very fun. Well, that's it for today's episode of Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble, at Floyd Tweet, at Girls on the Ball, or at Morgie underscore 89. We'll see you all next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.